Good morning. Again, <laughs> our um, gospel lesson this morning comes from, oh, here's Sarah's sermon. I can preach that. <laughs> okay. Our gospel lesson this morning comes from Matthew's gospel. It is at the very beginning as Jesus begins his ministry. Let us listen now for the word of God. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm grateful to be here as we worship God together, and I'm grateful for all of the ways in which we are in ministry together at Ukirk. Through your love and your gifts, you're touching the lives of students, giving them a safe place where they can be themselves as they grow in faith. You're helping to build the future of the church because these young adults are the future of the church. And it is a privilege to walk with the students and to learn from them. They challenge me with their questions. They ask me to look honestly at the world and the church, as well as myself, to see what needs to change. They give me hope through their love and their passion to make the world a better place. And they let me know that God is at work in each one of them, leading us into the future. And I have to tell you that sometimes the conversations that they have when they're telling me about what they're learning scramble my brain. A lot of times I have no idea what they're talking about. And then sometimes I don't want to know what they're talking about. <laughs> but they are always teaching me, and I'm grateful to be there with them. They are continuing to build the kingdom of God and to bring light to our world. Thanks be to God. In our text for today, Jesus appears on the scene and he is scrambling people's brains and shaking things up. He's been preparing himself. He's been baptized. He's journeyed through the wilderness, wrestling with the power of evil, 
with who he is and what he's called to do, and he's ready to begin. Now, this text from Matthew is an important transition because we move from John the Baptist, who was announcing the coming of Christ and getting people ready for Jesus, and Jesus. John stands in the middle between the old and the new. He's, he's a wild man, for sure, who's not afraid to speak the truth as he saw it and to call people to live in a new way. His words challenged the power of the Roman Empire, giving people hope that God was about to do a new thing. And his message was dangerous. It was a threat to the power of the empire, and so he was arrested and imprisoned. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he knew that it was his turn. He was up. Time for him to begin his public ministry. And by golly, if Jesus doesn't step forward preaching the exact same message and using the exact same words as John, the same message that got John arrested, this dangerous message of God's kingdom, Jesus' ministry begins in danger. And the text says that when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee withdrew. It's the same word that Matthew uses earlier when Mary and Joseph withdraw to Egypt. Once again, Jesus is under threat. Repent, he says, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. It's, it's a church word. We don't use that very often when we're not in church. When we were at the Montreat College Conference earlier this month, we talked about the meaning of the word repent and about how it's more than just being sorry for something you did. It comes from the Greek word metanoia, which means to turn, to turn around and go in a different direction. I said, it's like if you feel bad about climate change and how you're contributing to it, but you don't just feel sorry about it, you decide what you're going to do to live in a different way. Maybe not use plastic or compost or do something, but it takes you in another direction. Jesus is calling people to look at how they're living and to turn and live in a new way because God's kingdom is coming and it is more powerful and life-giving than the empire. I read a book during Advent called The First Advent in Palestine where the author says that the kingdom of God is the inversion of the imperial system. The inversion of the imperial system. It turns the systems of oppression and violence upside down, inverting the systems of domination with God's system of justice and righteousness and solidarity with those who are poor and left out. It's a system, remember, in which the rich are sent away empty and the hungry are filled with good things. The reign of God that causes the wealthy and the powerful to shake in their shoes, one for which everyone needs to be preparing, turning their lives away from the systems of the empire and toward the new reality of a system built on God's love and justice and equity. Jesus has come to bring light to those who sit in darkness, the darkness of captivity to the empire, 
light is dawning. God is with you. The kingdom of God has come near. Now Jesus leaves his home in Nazareth and moves to Capernaum, which is a fishing town on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. He begins his ministry not in the center of power in Jerusalem and Judea, but in Galilee, outside of the centers of power. To those who lived in what would be the marginal backwoods of Galilee, where there was a mix of Jews and Gentiles. It's outside the structures of power that Jesus begins to form an alternative community to share in his work of preaching and teaching and telling people about the reign of God. And the first people he comes, he calls to come and join him are fishermen. People who were definitely on the lower rung of the ladder, the social ladder. In the ranking of occupations at that time, those who were ranked first were owners of cultivated land. And those who were ranked last were fishermen. I read that fishermen were obligated to the empire, which had an economic monopoly. In the records we read, every rare and beautiful thing in the wide ocean belongs to the imperial treasury. Not only must they supply enough fish for themselves and the empire, but they must pay a tax upon what they retain and a tax upon any transport of fish. Jesus calling comes first to some of the most valuable of people. They're called out of their ordinary lives and customary service to Rome and into God's service. They, they do receive an odd sort of promise, though, that they will now fish for people. From now on, they will be casting God's wide net that includes all kinds of people. And the commentary goes on to say, he comes to them, sees them, and calls them to follow. It is worth noting that the calling is not a calling to worship Jesus and form a cult of Jesus. It is not even a calling to accept him as their personal Lord and Savior. They are called to follow him, to walk in the way that he is walking as he proclaims and makes manifest the reign of heaven. There they were, living their ordinary lives, doing their ordinary work, in jobs that left them poor and indebted to the elite of Rome. Diana Butler Bass says that Jesus invited them into an entirely different life, a better one. He offered them an alternate way of living. The kingdom of heaven has come near. You don't have to be part of Caesar's empire. Join me as we pursue the long-awaited commonwealth of God's justice and mercy. Now maybe Jesus had been there for a bit and they'd heard of him or maybe even heard him. They'd seen what he was up to, we don't know, but whatever it was, they turned loose of their old lives in order to follow in his way. Because way down deep in their souls, they felt God leading them into a new way of living into God's new realm of love and freedom. God's realm in which they were beloved, no longer just cogs in a wheel of the Roman Empire, but important and gifted and needed to proclaim God's kingdom. And they couldn't not follow Jesus. 
My own experience has been that those who are the most left out really do have much to teach me about the kingdom of God. Those for whom the power structures don't work, they help me to move beyond my own narrow ways of thinking in order to experience in a new way what it means to follow Jesus and to see in a new way the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. This past year, Scott and Melanie Smith have invited me to be part of the ministry at Manor House and to get to know the guys who are living there. Some of you also are involved in that. Men who have recently been released from prison. Manor House is a transition house, a place where they can live and get themselves together before they move into permanent housing. Many of these men are on the sex offender registry, so they're very limited in where they can live or work or even go to church. And I do know and understand why the rules and laws are in place for good reason to protect innocent people. In my own extended family, we have experienced the trauma caused by an online predator, and it's terrible. I also have come to know that these men are children of God. They are not beyond God's love and mercy. One night I was talking to one of them, and he said to me, Kathy, do you think it's a sin for someone to kill themselves if they have no meaning left in their lives? He went on to say, you know, they, there's no work, they, they can't live near anybody, there's no interaction with other people, they're just existing, waiting to die. And then he and I began to talk about the things that give life meaning, people to love, people who love you, people to share your life with, neighbors, ways of being useful and feeling like you have a purpose in the world and you're not just taking up space. I have not been able to let go of that conversation. It was as if Jesus had been standing right in front of me saying, follow me. Follow me into this hard place where you will have to wrestle with questions of redemption. And who, if anyone, has made such a bad mistake that they are outside of God's redeeming love? Because that is what we say, is it not? That all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? So what does it mean to be the church for these men? How can we be the body of Christ for them? And so many like them. How do we build community that is safe for everyone? How can we be a part of the power of God's transforming love in their lives? These are people who basically have been thrown away by our society. Our system of justice in which there isn't any redemption or transformation, only punishment for the rest of your life. How are we? How am I being called to repent? To turn from my limited understanding of justice and to turn toward the reign of God, trying to follow in the way of Jesus, the way in which no human being is beyond the reach of God's love. I don't know. I'm not sure. But my hope is that God does. 
and that God is at work making all things new. God is at work calling me, calling us to join God in that work as I and we seek to follow Jesus. It takes courage to wrestle with those hard questions and with what it means to love like Jesus. And in the wrestling, we are changed, which is difficult and sometimes painful. It's still dangerous to follow Jesus and to ask questions that challenge the systems of power in our world. But Jesus is still calling us to follow in his way, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God to people who are in desperate need of some good news. The kingdom of God is near. The power of God's love has overcome the powers of darkness, of hate and fear and violence and oppression, and God's transforming love is still at work in impossible situations. Our hope, our hope is that God has come in Jesus Christ, and God is at work here and now, and God is still calling us to follow in the way of Jesus. May it be so with us today and in the days to come. Amen.